This is Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is a part two in a series where we were interviewing the two upper school Spanish teachers, Jaume and Kat. And so now we rejoin the podcast with Dr. A, Senor Cyril, and Kendall Terry. And Kat, you said you were young when you left Chile, so... Uh, Did you grow up bilingual? I did because my mom is from California and my dad um, is from Chile. He went to UCLA and so they met in California. Um, So my mom is American and she learned Spanish after um, being married to my dad for so long. And we lived in Chile until I was seven. So I was born in California and then we moved to Chile shortly after. Um, And then she got homesick. So we moved (laughs) back. Uh, We went back and forth a couple times actually, but officially back in the third grade was in the United States and on um but my dad always since we were born spoke to us only in Spanish and then my mom in English and so wow I was I had bilingualism from the beginning yeah and and actually Jama you've shared with our staff in in the brain research section of our PD that we do every Wednesday uh, some of the the benefits of the brain on Mm -hmm. being raised in that bilingual setting um and that just, I mean, that, that really is, is hard for me to comprehend. Both of you uh, having a, that uniqueness of one parent only speaking one language, the other parent speaking the other language to you. And I try to wrap my hand around what that would look like uh, in, mm-hmm. in the home. Uh, that's wild. It, for us, I guess it's just normal because mm-hmm. it's how we grew up. Yeah. I can see it a little bit more now because I'm trying to raise my child the same way. Right. I only speak Spanish to him uh, and my wife only speaks English to him so hopefully that works we'll see he's he's gonna turn one so it's pretty early to say but (laughs) has he started saying words yes especially Baba when he's hungry yeah he (laughs) says mama he says dada and that's about it (laughs) that's awesome well it'd be exciting to hear him starting to use both languages and and that sort of thing Hmm. Um, and then the uniqueness of, of learning it at that age you're your accent is probably pretty good with both sides then. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's some, like I, I really struggle if I have to roll my R's, it doesn't work well. Yeah, right? that's my, difficult. My tongue does not do what it's supposed to do <laughs> in that moment. Uh, and so it's hard to teach it now to do a, the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. I've read the tricks of like, it's kind of the D sound and you know, that sort of thing, but it's, it doesn't sound natural as opposed to hearing somebody that was just raised in that bilingual setting that a lot of times you, it just right. speaks naturally. So yeah, when I speak Spanish or Catalan, I don't have an accent. Well, I do have an. Everybody has an accent. Right. I have the accent of my region, but you cannot say you learned that later or you're not from here. Yeah. Obviously, when I speak English, first question is like, where are you from? Right. So, <laughs> hopefully, with with Miguel, with my baby, his Spanish will be like like mine. When we go to Spain, they'll think that maybe you know he doesn't get that question, where are you from? Right. Because he sounds like us. Yeah. Uh, and when he's here speaking English, hopefully, again, he doesn't sound like me. He sounds like, like a native speaker. So we'll say I'll report back. I'm a okay. bit of a hybrid. So when I do go to Chile now, um, I do have the Spanish accent, but not as thick. as. <laughs> so they do know that I'm not, that I am okay. American. My sister did high school in Chile. She went back to live oh, with my wow. dad and my little sister. Um, through high school and so she has like all the slang she has the thick accent that she can turn on and um, so that's cool Hmm. being in it so that's very cool so when you guys are looking at 
um, we're as far as dating the podcast right now, we're coming to the end of the nine weeks, the first nine weeks. So um, getting ready to go on a break. And then when we come back, we've got the second, third, fourth, nine weeks uh, for your first year at CBA. As you're looking kind of out into the future, what are you excited about? I'm excited to hopefully get a field study or two yes. in. Um, mm-hmm. So we've done a lot of cultural stuff in um, the classroom, but it'll be nice to maybe go to the Mexican market down the street. We've already talked with them mm-hmm. or um, there's a couple of restaurants close by. Just getting the kids out into the community, which is also one of our standards is um, community. So and being able to use their Spanish outside of the classrooms. So. Right. Yeah, we talked to um, La Lupita, which mm-hmm. is uh, down the street, really, yeah. on the road. Because um, they also have a market. It's not only about going and eating and right. yeah. maybe practicing to uh, how to order something, but also they can learn about some of the products that they have that they bring from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what one of the goals. We went a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe more. It's been a while, yeah. actually. But we talked to the owner, and he thought he was gonna be a, it was gonna be feasible and a great idea. So we just have to sit down and see when we can bring uh, the students and how many and how many times because yes. uh, some of the classes are larger. Yeah. And so we have to decide how to do it. But that's that's for sure something that we want to do. Also, the Cuban restaurant right. is mm-hmm. really good, and they can also practice Spanish there. But I'm more interested in in doing something that. It's not only about eating. That's always great, but now that we have the opportunity to be outside of the of the classroom, learn about something else that maybe I cannot teach you here. Yeah. Um, but you know, like La Lupita, being from there, being from the region where they brought all these products, they are the experts. They can really tell a lot. Um, Also maybe about their own personal experiences here as a a part of the Mexican community. Um, They know more than I do about that, for example. So it will be a great contact to have and to really try and do this um, quarter two. Yeah. Now, I've not experienced a whole lot of... um, the Knoxville side of this, I know in, in on the Blount County side of this, most of the Spanish speakers that I've in, encountered are of Mexican descent. Yeah. Um, are there other communities in this area that that represent different cultures other than the Mexican culture? And a lot of times when people are thinking Spanish, they think, you know, the Mexican restaurant, right. they think food. Yeah. You know, but trying to branch out of that, um, are, there, are there other cultures that I'm just not aware of? Mm-hmm. This is mostly Central America. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people from Guatemala, for example. One of my students works, uh, can I remember exactly where, but there's a lot of Guatemalan people okay. there. Um, so he, he said that if I wanted to organize something about Guatemala, he can just give me their contacts, which is, would be great. Yeah. Um, and I know in Knoxville they have the uh, Centro Hispano, the Hispanic Center of East Tennessee. Um, so that's part of my... Uh, it's on my list to contact them and organize something because they have workshops and they have a lot of things that they offer and activities so it would be great to um, maybe have them come over here and, and give a talk or maybe bring the students over there um, and do one of the workshops with them yeah um, so yeah we always I think we're always looking to see what we can do outside of the class and incorporate the Latino community uh, NCBA connect them somehow. Yeah. Well, and I know, I know 
you know, food is a huge connecting point. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of culture in food, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you travel, um, that's one of the fun things about mm-hmm. traveling is experiencing right. the food of, of wherever you're traveling to. But sometimes then we get lost in that of through our American lens, we look at like the Mexican restaurant and think, oh, you know, let's, this mm-hmm. is the culture. And it's an Americanized view of the culture, exactly. right? It's not like I've had much different experience in Latin American countries when it comes to food than what right. I experienced at the Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had some amazing food in, in places. I, I've been several times to Panama and, and experienced that uh, culture in, in some of those little villages in, in Quito, some of the villages mm-hmm. as well. And, and even the native uh, people and, and their culture that's yeah. different than the European influence mm-hmm. side of, of that culture. So it's, it's a really cool cool thing. So food is a nice kind of starting point, but you want to really go deeper than just kind of the Americanized view of, of the food, right? Right, right, right. Um, and so I love, you know, some of the places you were mentioning are places that are a little bit more true to kind of where they're from as opposed to more of the American view mm-hmm. of, of where they're from. Right. And so that's great. Kat, what about you? What's something that you're looking forward to? I am looking forward to doing a lot more of the cultural stuff. Like we work together to... Um, figure out that piece I think developing I've developed quarter one with like a syllabi and so I've been working on this week and the past week trying to get the whole year planned out yeah um to so that I can go back and at the end of every quarter and kind of refresh it for next year so just kind of fine-tuning what I want them to learn by the end of the year yeah before Mm -hmm. they move on so and it's I love working with new teachers to CBA whenever it comes to that and a lot of our teachers come here with some background in in education and background in teaching the classes and that sort of thing and I love working with teachers after teaching that first little bit to say okay when you go back and you reflect on what went well what didn't go well you know what would I do again what would I change Um, that's a really cool process in understanding the model and you're not just teaching you know we don't use textbooks you're not just Mm -hmm. teaching well that was chapter one this is chapter two but really analyzing that as like what would I do again? If I had to do over again, what would I do again? And realizing that part of learning what we really enjoy is that you had to experience some stuff that didn't go right exactly like you wanted. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know I'd do that again. Maybe I'd, I'd come at that from a different angle. Yes. Um, and so that's always a fun reflecting point in, in teaching. I love that as a teacher. I don't know that I ever taught the same you know, quarter in any of the classes I taught because I was always going back and refining and saying, okay, that that lab just didn't work for me in biology what lab would would still serve the same purpose of what i'm trying to understand but um would go at it from a different vantage point and maybe the students would enjoy more or whatever mm-hmm. you know and, and adapting to the students that yes uh, you get and hearing their feedback along the way from this last quarter on things that they really enjoyed like projects that we've done or ways that we've incorporated grammar in like a fun escape room style and stuff like they've really enjoyed doing those hands-on group projects and it's fun seeing them work together. So just going back to reflect on what went well this last quarter, I'm excited to start planning the rest of the year. Awesome. In so that they enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And buy in. Um, one of the big pieces of the model that we use is relationship building. And uh, both of you come from a lot of different backgrounds, you know, experiences and that sort of thing. So what was the relationship component like for you to come into this environment? Like I said, we... we really push with our new teachers right from the beginning right of like it's about relationships build relationships so what was that like what did you did you have to overcome any challenges maybe of not being from east tennessee 
that you experienced as being now part of East Tennessee or you know how did that I guess part go of, of trying to build those relationships with your students I think it was pretty easy for me at least those first three weeks um, I did a few creative mini projects they were not even for a grade it was to try to see uh, I wanted to see collaboration I wanted to see creativity I wanted to see a uh, few of the life skills because I was trying to get used to what yeah. they meant because it was new for me as well. Um, so they came up with really cool ideas. They were having fun with it. They were already trying to practice Spanish a little bit because I threw in there a few grammar concepts that they should know uh, from the previous year and some uh, words uh, that they should know as well. Um, and that worked really well. I did an adaptation of a TV show that we have in Spain where I was sort of the host and it was about vocab okay. and so I separated them in, in groups um, and, and they had to come up with the right answer um, we also played categories with mm -hmm. vocab um, later to review for the test with the Jeopardy so I incorporate a lot of things that uh, can can help them study without feeling like they're actually studying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to those first few weeks, I think it was, for me, I, I didn't have any issues really. It showed me who uh, who was willing to, to raise their hand right away and who was gonna take a little bit more work to make them speak in Spanish. But everybody is now sharing ideas, everybody is now raising their hand, asking questions, which is to me the most important thing. Um, so it helped me uh, see where I should be putting the, you know, more effort yeah. and what areas and who is going to be needing more uh, of my help and who is already there. Um, awesome. Because re they remember maybe more than other students from last year. Yeah. What was that like for you, Kat? For me, um, first time teaching big kids, um, <laughs> whereas elementary school you go in and they love you from the second they see you. Right. <laughs> you have their hearts right away. So I was a little nervous, you know, to teach um, big kids uh, in the beginning. But I love that this school is all about building relationships because um, it's so important. So we started out with culture being our theme for the year, um, really talking about your own culture um, and what makes you you. And they did um, a project where they had to write the first letter of their name and fill it with all the things that make them them and their culture and um, so that was a good way to just kind of tie into the concept from the beginning and also for a way for me to get to know them more and who they are and start building that relationship um, I try to make a point to talk to each of them um, or I have this you know in the first few weeks I really want to you know ask them who they are who their siblings are where they're from um, and being from like um, before we started in PD and it's like spend these first three weeks just getting to know them so I was like I'm gonna do that and I did and I it's been so amazing to just build that classroom culture um, and I do feel like they love me and I love them all and they're all so wonderful and just spending those first three weeks like really focusing on that has meant a lot and yeah. it means and, a lot for us and I guess it really helped them too I, I really think that it, it really helped them um, start a year in a more relaxed way because yeah. many times 
in other schools, week one or two, you already have a quiz, you already right. have a test. Yeah. It's like you should be here and you're not, so you need to do all these things. Yeah. Here, you can assess where the point they are at through other through conversation, through other things, conversation yeah. and yes. games and. and um, and them getting to know you and exactly yeah 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 well and I think that when you're talking about getting kids to take that risk to actually speak a different language mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of hesitation there you know you start going am I going to say this wrong people right. are going to you know if I if I mispronounce this maybe it means something completely different than what I'm mm-hmm. meant to say and and so you get that I don't want to be embarrassed I don't want to mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of breaking down those walls and so you know, taking that time to build those relationships that right. allows a kid then to say, "I can take a risk on this." You know, I, I'm willing to try this because I feel good about the the teacher in the room. I feel good about the peers in the room. Um, and so, if you can get somebody in that headspace of "Let's take a risk here. Let's try this. Don't be afraid to to put it out there and see see if it's right. And if it's right, then great. And if it's wrong, like we'll talk about right. like what it should be." Yeah, um, something that I tell my students all the time is, "I've been here for 12 years." And I make mistakes every single day. So if the teacher makes mistakes in English, you are allowed to make I mistakes in Spanish. You know, I still make some, a few mistakes here and there in Spanish. And I'm, I always tell him, I had to ask Dr. Antuniano how to say, <laughs> well, grass is said differently in, depending on which country right. you're from. Oh, so wow. I was just, we were teaching uh, nature. So anyways, I, I t- always tell them too. I go to him because he is native speaking. Yeah. Um, so it's just okay to make those mistakes and yeah. to learn as we go. And I think it's great for our upper school Spanish to have uh, the Spain background and then the, the Central American ba- or Latin American background. Mm-hmm. Well, South American. South American mm-hmm. background. <laughs> when I said it, I was like, nope, I just said the same thing. <laughs> so like, See, I made mistakes in English. Yeah. <laughs> and so having that both of those cultures, because a lot of times you end up with like a Spanish speaker that's really teaching you more of like the – you know the Latin American, South American, Spanish, but you don't get the Span and the Spain mm-hmm. side of that. So having both of you and our kids bouncing back and forth yes. between the two, I think is going to be a great service for them yeah, um, as they progress. And so I just want to thank both of you for spending a little bit of time with us, introducing yourselves to our podcast yeah. uh, listeners, but also uh, the work you guys do with our our students. I know that they have enjoyed being in Spanish this year, and I'm excited to see you guys continue to progress with that and to get kids you know that you had in sixth grade to get them back as, yeah. as ninth graders maybe one day or kids that you had in eighth grade maybe to see them get into that Spanish uh, two three and four down mm-hmm. the road and and to be able to watch them progress in that I'm really excited to see how this goes yeah we're too. excited too mm-hmm. yes. well thank you both for uh, sitting down today thank you thank you so much this has been the ignition point Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about Clayton Bradley Academy, you can visit us on our webpage, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, or you can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.